0: Do you just love this podcast so much and wish you could find a way to monetarily support us? Well, guess what? Much like NPR, we thrive on support from viewers like you. So if you love this podcast and you want to become a contributor, all you have to do is go to anchor.fm, that's ancho rfm click the support button and choose the amount that you want to contribute each month to our podcast. This helps keep our podcast going and it keeps the phenomenal content that you have come to know and love flowing. So, yeah, what are you waiting for? Sign up today. As always, thank you so much for being a listener. We appreciate you. We see you and we hope you enjoy the show. Spoiler alert If you do not want this film ruined, do not proceed. There's spoilers galore. You have been warned. Welcome to Talk Classic To Me, the classic film podcast and movie club where I, Sarah Greenfield, your host and classic film enthusiast, bring in my entertaining friends to talk about classic movies or any other old-fashioned form of media that strikes my fancy. On today's show, we're talking about the film Woman of the Year from 1942 with my wonderful guest, Lauren Lopez. Welcome to Talk Classic To Me. I am your host, Sarah Greenfield, and today I have a very special guest, Lauren Lopez, joining me. Hi, Lauren hi so we watched the film woman of the year from 1942 lauren what'd you think what are your opening thoughts on this well was it my favorite i also
1: realized i don't know that i've ever seen a spencer tracy movie oh and i think i've only seen one katherine hepburn movie oh so i was like oh my gosh i've missed out on so many like i can't believe this is like a part of classic movies i've just never never been
0: into it's so funny that you say that because they they were some of the first people that I like got into as class as a classic movie person like uh when I was younger when I was like 13 and 14 and I was really just getting into classic movies they were kind of two of my first people that I was super interested in so I watched a bunch of their movies when I was younger and then kind of put them down and haven't watched them in a while. So mm-hmm. this has been really interesting to pick back up and be like, I remember what I thought when I was younger. What do I think now? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I had that experience. But one of the reasons I chose this for the podcast, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> we have not talked about Catherine Hepburn and we have not talked about Spencer Tracy at all. Oh, my all. gosh. Really? Oh, so, yeah. So I was like, well, we're going to talk about them in the future. Like, I have… Their movies are on my list, but I was like, "Well, we obviously need to talk about them as a couple, yeah, because oh, wow. we just have to." And I, what I think is interesting is, I actually don't think their movies together are their best movies in general, mm. but they're so special to watch together. So it's like what you had said, like this movie I think is is pretty fun. It's one of, it's probably my favorite of theirs actually, or one of my favorites of theirs. But right. what's special about it is not so much the plot; it's about their chemistry, like. This was the first time they worked together. This was the first, like they were falling in love while making this picture. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so like you feel, I think you feel that as you're watching, you know? Well, maybe I do. I might be reading into it. So I'll just do a plot synopsis of this film for the people at home. um, So you can be caught up just like us. So this film is called Woman of the Year. I love that we meet these people in a newspaper kind of setting. So the first thing we see is like, a headline on the side of like a newspaper selling vehicle because it's like a newsy but on a what is that even it's like it's it's not a horse drunk here what am I trying to think of
1: Uh, right it's like an old timey what do you call
0: those what do you call that like Like a rickshaw he's like Like in a a cart cart with newspapers and it's got headlines about like Tess Harding tells you what's up That's not what it says, but it's that. And we (laughs) learn all these things about Tess Harding. And, you know, oh, she's talking to the prime minister of England. Oh, Tess Harding in peace talks over here. Tess Harding says the war will be over soon and no to Hitler. So we learn like Tess Harding is this diplomat. She's high class. She's very smart. She's running the world. So one of the, the final things that we see about her uh, we see it says Tess Harding says Hitler will lose. Yes, that's right. And then right. you know, <laughs> and then right. it pans to the left and then it says Yankees won't lose by Sam Craig. <laughs> so that's kind of how we meet Tess Harding, who is Catherine Hepburn, and Sam Craig, who is Spencer Tracy. So she's like woman of the world, diplomat, and he's like uh, sports writer. So <laughs> those are like how we are introduced to them. Yes. And then um we follow we go from there. We follow Spencer Tracy. Uh, and we see him in a bar with some friends, and they're listening to a radio program called information please which i i personally if you listen to this show you know this i love classic radio as well i listen to it a lot and information please was like the jeopardy of the day like smart people would go on it to show off their knowledge so we're they're like listening to this in the bar and tess harding is the host and she knows all these very like intricate things about the world, but then they get to a question about baseball. Spencer Tracy answers that question at the bar, but she doesn't know the answer to that question. And not only does she not know the answer to the question, she's like, it's the war time. I don't think people should be playing baseball. That's a terrible waste of time, you know? And he takes umbrage to that, because he's like, that's why we're fighting the war, so that people can play baseball, America, you know? So um, they kind of have a feud on the paper. They, They like each write articles about why the other person's wrong. And then they eventually meet and it should be noted that we see her legs before we see her face yes. i just want to point that out
1: absolutely the classic like fixing my pantyhose shot yeah
0: yes. and her legs look great but it's right. very much like can we make her sexy and objectify her just a little bit yes we can <laughs> i think they put it in there to show us the surprise of sam like, I think it's in there because we're hearing about Tess and we might have a certain idea about her mm-hmm. and they compare her to Eleanor Roosevelt. So, I think in your brain, if you didn't know who Catherine Hepburn was, you'd be like, oh, I imagine her as one thing. And then you see her sexy leg and you're like, oh, whoa, she's hot. I didn't expect that because smart people aren't hot, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. That kind of it's very confusing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's instant. They fall in love. Like, it is chemistry instant. from the get go. <laughs> They're in it. They literally, it's like they look at each other and you can tell they know. Just Mm -hmm. like in an affair to remember, they know. Anyway, so yes, they are instantly in love. And it's interesting because what I like about this movie is that it's not so much a gender role kind of thing about why they can't be together. Like, it's not about (laughs) her being successful that is a turnoff for him. He likes her as a successful person. It's about her not compromising at all and not like paying attention to him as an equal partner i wrote yeah it's not about her being successful it's about her being a bad partner so i like that it's never really a question of like you're a woman you should be in the home Mm -hmm. it's more like i get that you're successful but like i'm a person too and i'm in this marriage too like can't we have a marriage together so i do like that the movie has that in it Mm -hmm. but yeah it is hard to make a feminist leaning film in the 40s it's just hard i think considering that they did a pretty good job exactly considering all of that they did a pretty good job yeah um so yeah they fall in love they very quickly get married and um the relationship starts to sour a little bit because she is constantly putting everybody else first and her work first and she's like just not paying attention to him but that sounds awful she because you know She's not uh, being an equal partner with him the way that he is being with her. It's like Mm -hmm. he puts all the work in, and she puts no work in, and then she tries to kind of seduce him with her romance, and then he's like, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So finally, she adopts a kid from Greece without consulting him. Wild. (laughs) So wild side note there. And he's like, okay, this is crazy. Oh, and while she does this, she also wins the Woman of the Year Award. Yes. Which I'm a little confused by. Is that – I didn't look it up. Is that a real thing? I have no –
1: idea. yeah, I was like, who gives this out? Who is saying this? What is – what organization?
0: And, like, why do you get it? What are the – like, what do you have to accomplish? Yeah, is it like, you're a wife and you work Woman of the Year? Like, is that (laughs) – I don't know. But anyway, uh, Sam has had enough of her selfishness, and he's like, look – I'm out, I'm taking this Greek kid back to the orphanage where we got him. But don't worry, it's going to be okay because there's a wait list and people want to adopt these kids. Don't worry, people at home. Um, That's like the justification I think they put behind it. They're like, no, people want these children. It's cool. cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Look, he's happy here. He wants (laughs) to be an orphan here. Um, (laughs) So yeah, he takes the orphan back. He leaves the house. And it's the big night when Tess is winning her Woman of the Year award and she brings press back to like see her home and Sam isn't there. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I've been left. She starts to realize maybe she hasn't been such a good partner to Sam. And so in the beginning, he was always coming to her and bringing her things and like bending over backwards for her. So by the end, she's like, well, I guess I'll go to his office and talk to him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, she goes down to his office. She got a telegram from her parents, from her dad. Um, Her dad is like, come to the Connecticut home. We have something important we want to share with you, me and your aunt Ellen. And she's like, "Okay, Spencer Tracy, will you please go with me? If you don't go with me, they'll know something's wrong between us. And he's like, no, I'm not going to go with you. I have a big fight to write about. I can't just drop everything for you and you don't drop anything for me." I'm like, fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. So she goes alone. It turns out her dad is getting married to her Aunt Ellen. Yes. And they were secretly in love all along, which us people at home knew, but Katherine Hepburn didn't realize. Uh-huh. And the dad, you know, they've both all been very successful and they all have these busy schedules. And so the dad is kind of like, look, I waited all this time to do this thing that made me happy and I regret waiting all that time. And the the aunt says this too and like, mm-hmm. you know, I wish we could have been together sooner and I'm glad we're finally together at least you're with Sam while you're young. <laughs> and so Catherine Hepburn realizes through their beautiful marriage that like, oh shoot, I had a really good thing and I didn't appreciate it and I kind of ran it into the ground. I guess that I should try to convince Sam that I would be a good wife. <laughs> so she goes back to his new apartment and she tries to cook
1: oh my god a 45 minute breakfast scene (laughs) i was concerned
0: you see how long it like you're like okay so it's now till the movie ends what are they going to do to fill that time she cooks is the answer she tries
1: to make breakfast also like that moment too was i was like dying because there's no music in these old movies it's just these silent long it's this silent long scene of her trying to make breakfast she says like two words the whole time And you're just like, this is painful and so boring. You're like, wow, our attention spans have really gotten so much shorter in the modern day. And like, we expect so much more from movies where I'm like, where's the music? Why isn't this like a funny montage?
0: Like, what are we doing here? Well, and what's funny about that too, now that you brought it up, because I didn't notice that or think about it, but Franz Waxman did Mm -hmm. the score for this. That's Mm. the guy that did Sunset Boulevard. That's like a famous (gasps) composer. yeah. And yet... They don't have music. You're right. I didn't think about it, but they, like, don't have underscoring for that. And they have one of the best composers that's ever. Wow. Underutilized. Lived. What I was thinking about in that scene, it's really funny that you mentioned, like, oh, my gosh, it's forever and it's boring. I was so caught up in looking at the appliances from the olden days. Oh, my days, God. Yes. Trying to figure out how to use them. Like, yes. that coffee maker. I was like, wait, I'm the confused. The percolator. So you put- I don't know how to use a percolator. So I was with her being like, okay, wait, how would I use that? So I was so distracted by the kitchenware that I think that's how I got through that scene.
1: Like, I definitely knew old stoves looked like that. I didn't realize they had those covers on the top. Which is brilliant by the way. Yes, I was like, why don't we have those? That's actually a really good idea because then you get so much more space for, yes. on your counter and stuff. But she was, like, trying to move the cover off the stove and I was like, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know how the hell you're supposed to move that thing. And then, like, the little it looked like a timer but it looked like she was turning it to turn on the gas and then the alarm went off and i was like what is this
0: (laughs) and i wasn't sure how to turn on her gas stove because i was like are they like gas stoves today or are they different right and but you're right that cover over the stove i was like yes we should have those and i was thinking maybe we don't because maybe it's a fire hazard was the only solution i could come up with yeah but i really wanted one because i also live in an apartment and you need space in the kitchen we have tiny kitchens here in the city But yes, I concur with you 100%. Also, I love that he just had a waffle maker because he's supposed to be like a bachelor, but he's a bachelor that owns a waffle maker. Like, okay i don't own a waffle maker (laughs) same fancy very fancy um i do also love that he can cook for himself but that's another side note that we'll get into yeah yeah yeah. um so to round out the movie sam sees her trying to do this he sees the effort she's putting in because it's more about the effort than the the housewifey stuff you do get worried for a minute as a viewer though you're like oh no is the lesson she learned that she's supposed to be in the home and that's her place yikes Right. right yikes But that's not the lesson. He comes in and he's like, look, you're going to extremes. Like you're either all in on your business or you're like really trying to be this version of what you think I want. I don't want you to be like all the way, you know, Tess Harding, successful businesswoman and all the way like Mrs. Samuel Craig. I want you to be like my partner. I want you to be Tess Harding Craig, like be you and be like with me, share your life with me. And I appreciated that. Yeah. um, That there was like the mention of, yes, like I want you to be this thing that's in the middle that we both you know, we're both part of this relationship. Yeah. And he also throws out her, it's not yeah. stated that he's gay, but he is, he looks to me like a gay man who is a secretary and I loved her, Gerald, the, the secretary fact yeah. that
1: she had a male secretary I was like yes. what it blew my mind
0: she is a boss it was Huge awesome
1: girl boss this is a, definitely a hashtag girl boss movie
0: the end of the movie Gerald comes in and he's like you gotta go you know Chris in a battleship it's yeah. 8 30 in the morning lady and she's like uh you could see on her face she doesn't want to do it and Sam's like get out of here Gerald and then that's how the movie ends they, the movie ends together. very abruptly so yeah. That's not how the movie was supposed to end. Oh. Test audiences did not like the original ending of the movie. <gasps> and the original ending was supposed to be that um Spencer Tracy doesn't end up like going to that big boxing match that he was supposed to write about. Mm-hmm. And so Katherine Hepburn ends up going and like covers it and like writes an article for him and like learns about boxing and writes the article. And it turns out he had gone to like a special school so he could learn different languages so he could like better be a part of her circle. So they each kind of like did the other's thing. So like he's learning a foreign language, just like she had been, she speaks all of these languages throughout the film. So he's gonna go learn these languages and she's gonna learn about sports and they're gonna meet in the middle. And there's still that line about like, I don't want you to go to extremes. I want you to be Tess Hart and Craig, like, somewhere in the middle. Wait, why didn't they like that? That sounds fun. So, apparently, people felt like um, Catherine Hepburn, since she was behaving like a man throughout the film, she needed to have her comeuppance in the kitchen. Oh, my God. (sighs) and like show the ladies of america that like i'm saying this is easy but i can't do it like not everyone can do this Uh uh-huh okay so i that was why they changed it apparently Catherine hepburn did not like the change or did not approve the change she liked the original ending and i do too
1: same i would have rather seen that than a 45 (laughs) minutes silent scene of her attempting to make breakfast
0: yeah like wow (laughs) she's really not at home in the kitchen she's not yeah
1: did we mention that she's doing a horrible job too she like can't she's like never seen an egg but I thought it was very
0: creative how she separated the eggs I thought that was great that's what I would have done if I didn't know although
1: her putting all those egg whites on that flat plate I was like this is this is
0: so wrong but but the thing with the knife I felt like yeah I got that I might hold that yellow part of the egg in place while I the yolk that's absolutely I'm very at home in the kitchen as well as you can tell (laughs) the yellow part Um, you know the yellow part um and she oh the saddest part is when she gets it on her beautiful 1940s shoes that killed me right on the peep toe (sighs) ooh because those were gorgeous shoes
1: her looks there were so many times when I just wrote down her outfit with an exclamation point and I would have killed to see them in color.
0: Oh my God. Can you Because like, you can only imagine. Uh. And they, you could tell they were utilizing like the dark and the light. Like when Ellen gets married, they purposely put Catherine Hepburn in something that looks black and they put like Ellen the bride in something that looks white. Like they purposely play with these things. But the way that they design her costumes is so smart because she's constantly wearing these gorgeous like pantsuits. The polka dot jumpsuit... Oh, it's so cute. Unreal. <laughs> I loved the one at the end when she had those like, I don't even know what they were. They were like, shoulder straps yes yes it
1: was almost like suspenders but like yes. a little more fashionable they were so cute high fashion suspenders
0: yes. um that kept slipping off her shoulders to show yes. like she's clearly not at home in this kitchen <laughs> but it emphasized that fact and the fact yeah they kept putting her in these gorgeous like suits and blazers oh. and I was just love like I wanted all of the pantsuits yes. that she wore they were beautiful and even like her gowns were very structured oh. and like yes. she looked great the whole time gowns by Adrian. that's the costumer wanted to Ooh, put that
1: out Adrian. Yes. Um, I mean the gown she wears when she is at the woman of the year thing is mm-hmm. stunning. Yes. She also has these beautiful like night dresses. Is that what they're called? House dresses, night dresses. What are those called?
0: Like a negligee.
1: They're like so flowy. I'm like, I want to walk around in that. Why did we stop doing that? Well, I don't want
0: to sleep in it is the problem. No,
1: no. I just want to waltz around.
0: Yes, waltzing around my home in like basically an evening gown that's made of silk, but then like wearing my cotton to bed would be absolutely about correct. That would feel good. I wrote ST's huge hat. This has to do with the costumes. They make costume choices um, for Spencer Tracy, too, making him look a little more like, I don't know the word. It's not like lower class, but like of the people. He's Uh not as high fashion. But he is wearing this very humongous hat that does not fit his head. I think it's a yeah. little too big for me. And then when they criticize her at the baseball game for wearing the big hat, and I was like, his hat is just as high. Excuse <laughs> me, I call, I call foul on this one. Okay, wait. This brings up something yes, I want to
1: ask you. I didn't really notice the hat he was wearing, mainly because I'm way more interested in what the girls are wearing, like than <laughs> the man. So I'm like, yeah, sure, it's a guy with a hat on, fine. But, um, but also like. Okay, this is going to sound so offensive, but, like, was Spencer Tracy considered, like, good-looking?
0: So I'm really glad (laughs) you brought that up. Not totally. Okay. Because he was, like, a leading man, but he wasn't, like, your Cary Grant handsome leading man. Right, right. So I don't think he's the Tom Hanks of his day, Mm -hmm. but he's like Tom Hanks. He was the first actor to ever win two Best Actor Academy Awards in a row. Oh, my gosh. And he was just famous for being, like, a very good actor. So people wanted to work with him. And he was the lead in several things with, like, beautiful women as well. Right. Um, you know, like, he was, like, the lead with Hedy and like, with all these gorgeous women. But uh, he was considered, like, leading man material because he was such a good actor, oh, you know?
1: That's g- great to know. And I did not – this was not supposed to be shade to him. When people talked about Spencer Tracy, I literally, until I watched this movie, could not tell you what he looked like. I just assumed he was a Cary Grant dashing, handsome man type because I just heard his name all the time, like – you know, as this star, this movie yeah. star. And my assumption is like, well, he's probably like a beautiful man. And then I saw him and I was like, not my type, definitely. And and I was just kind of like, huh, he's kind of like a Woody Harrelson type almost. Oh. In face.
0: Yeah. He's like, he's, he's like an everyman. And Definitely. what he was which very good at, which is great. Yeah. Um, but what he was like very famous for was he was one of the first kind of natural actors on screen. <gasps> oh. Like a lot of people get to film and they're very theatrical and over the yes. top. And he's one of the first people, like before Marlon Brando, he was one of the Ooh. first people to like feel like a real person on film. Um, and wow. he was really good at like being versatile by being a real person. So like he could be a real... Uh, I. I have Katherine Hepburn's book right here. I can say (gasps) what she wrote about him. I marked some pages. Um, But he could like become other people while still being honest and being himself. And the only film he did that was really considered a flop was Jekyll and Hyde. And it's because they put him in all these prosthetics and he felt so embarrassed. He felt like he couldn't be like natural and real behind like the facade. He wanted to create the facade. He didn't want it to be something that was like put on him in Mm -hmm. a costume. Um, but yeah, he's anything you watch him in, you just feel even when he's playing a villain, you still like him and you mm. feel like he's telling the truth. Everyone calls him an honest actor. He just feels mm. so like you stand on your mark and you you say your lines like you mean them. Like that's yeah. it's very old school Spencer Tracy.
1: Wow. Thank you for schooling me. I was very ignorant about that. And look at me being, like, would so know? superficial and being like, he's not hot. Like, you can't be famous without being hot, which kind of is the truth in many instances. But I, that's so good to know about him.
0: Well, and the other thing, too, is, like, what I was feeling this time is I think we've gotten so used to seeing people in our modern world that are touched up. Like yes, everyone has Botox, everyone has had work done. So yes. to see people with real faces, like he's in his forties when he made this and he yeah. has lines on his face and I his know, forehead. Not- like- yeah,
1: well, I, th- I think also it was unfair to him just because Katherine Hepburn is so stunning and like those cheekbones, I just was like, oh my God. But even she, like, had some, like, wrinkles around her eyes and stuff. Yes. And I was like, wow, yeah, you never see that. Or if you see someone with cheekbones like that, nine times out of ten, it's, like, filler, which is fine. It's wild to think that she, like, just looks like that. That's <laughs> yes. just how she looked.
0: Yes. I know that there were, like, tips and tricks that people would employ. Like, oh. I know that Joan Crawford would, like, tape, tape her face yeah. and then, like, have the wig. So I know that they would do things like that. But sure, sure. she wasn't doing that in this. Like, that's that's she what she stunning. looked like. That was her spirit. She's shining through. Well, I think people looked unique, too. Yeah, I don't totally. know. People had their own look. Not everyone looks the like- same. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I found the quote about uh, Spencer Tracy. So I do have Katherine Hepburn's autobiography entitled, Me. Um, <laughs> I have not read the whole thing. People at home don't judge me, but I did flag some portions of it for this chat. So what she said about Spencer Tracy in her book is, Spencer Tracy is a star of real quality He's an actor star. He's a people star. His quality is clear and direct. Ask a question, get an answer. No pause, no fancy thinking. A simple answer. He speaks. He listens. He's not wordy. He's not over-emotional. He is simple and totally honest, and he makes you believe what he is saying.
1: Damn. I was like,
0: yeah, that's exactly correct. It's like you were in a relationship with him for 27 years or something. They were together for 27 years? So... (laughs) I think the math is wrong on that. She says they were together for 27 years. And I was like counting. And I was like, wait, I think it's 26. Because this movie. OK, well, still. Still, they were together for 26 years. They were unofficially together. Wait, do you want me to tell you this, like, their story? Because it's so fascinating. Oh my god,
1: please. You're you're such a great teacher. I'm learning so um, much.
0: Oh my gosh, thanks for, like, like, being here and wanting to listen to this. this is, I love it. Because I'm such a nerd about this shit. And this podcast <laughs> allows me to be a nerd. Um, <laughs> so they meet on the set of this film. The before of this basically is that for a while, Katherine Hepburn, like when she became a movie star, she was great right out of the gate, won an Academy Award pretty young for Best Actor in like 1933, made a slew of flops, including Bringing Up Baby, which is like so famous now, but was a flop in its day. And she was deemed by the studios, like there was this article that was written about certain people at certain studios, she was deemed box office poison, quote unquote. Um, so no one would hire her. So she's like, well, screw this. I'm going to get myself work again. She found this play called The Philadelphia Story, put it on Broadway, um, owned the rights to it, and was like, "Um, hey, this was a hit on Broadway. If uh, you would like to make a movie about it, I own the rights. My caveat is that I be the star of it. So they make The Philadelphia Story, yep, with her, Jimmy Stewart, Cary Grant. It's a huge hit. It saves her career, puts her back on the map, and she is a movie star once again. And she, like... She designed that. She did that herself because she's a badass.
1: That is truly like girl boss gatekeep. Like she she gatekeeped the rights to that play and girl bossed her way into the lead of that in the movie. An icon. And she's fabulous.
0: Like all her best work happened. Well, not all her best work, but most of her best work happens after that. Like, wow. can you imagine if she had been deemed box office poison and then we never saw another Katherine Hepburn picture again? A shame. <gasps> Can't even think about it. Catherine Hepburn. We're gonna just go into her backstory to explain how her and Spencer Tracy fell in love and met. You may know her people at home from the Philadelphia Story, The African Queen, The Lion in Winter, uh, Stage Door, Bringing Up Baby, Holiday. Alice Adams was one of her early hits. Uh, Summertime, The Rainmaker, On Golden Pond, and the list goes on and on and on. Spencer Tracy, you might know from Inherit the Wind, Judgment at Nuremberg, Fury, The Old Man at the Sea, The Old Man and the Sea. Uh, Boomtown, Boys Town, Captain's Courageous, San Francisco. They all—they both made a ton of movies. Father of the Bride. He was the, an Ooh. original in that. It's a mad, 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 mad world. He made all those. And then the movies they made together are Woman of the Year, Keeper of the Flame, Without Love, The Sea of Grass, State of the Union, Adam's Rib, Pat and Mike, The Desk Set, and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. They made nine movies together. Jeez. I have not seen all of their movies that they made together, but we'll get into that too. Okay, so uh, Catherine Hepburn, she's originally from Connecticut, She was raised, she was very close with her parents, and she was raised by, like, very progressive parents. She's famous for playing strong-willed, sophisticated women. She studied at Bryn Mawr. Um, I mentioned she moves out to California, wins the Academy Award in 1933 for Morning Glory. So picture it. We've done the Philadelphia story. We've done all the box office poison stuff. Here it is. We're in 1942. She meets Spencer Tracy. There's a fun story about, like, kind of how they met Which is apparently they met and she was wearing heels and she was taller than him. And she said something like, I don't know if we'd be good co-stars. Like, I'm taller than you. I don't remember who said, don't worry, he'll cut you down to size. Whoa. And then um, apparently when they met, she had dirty fingernails. And Spencer Tracy made a comment about it. Like, Ah, Catherine Hepburn has dirty fingernails. Like that, you know, he didn't like that. So there's that. But yeah, they met on the set of this movie and completely fell in love. Just like head over heels, in love. The problem was that he was Catholic and he was already married. Oh. Oh. He and his wife, Louise, had separated in the 30s. Um, He had had a couple of affairs with other famous women. He and his wife kind of like got back together in 1935, but they still... They were only together like they weren't officially separated. Like they lived in separate houses. They they were separate. So yeah, he falls in love with Catherine Hepburn and they're together until he dies.
1: Wow.
0: Um, but they could never totally be public about it out of respect to his living wife. And Catherine Hepburn was like, I didn't talk about it until she passed away. Like I felt oh. like I couldn't talk about it till then. She couldn't even go to his funeral. <gasps> yeah that's so sad and they lived together by the end like because he got really sick and she was taking care of him and um she was there when he died he went to the kitchen at 3 a.m to make a cup of tea and she heard like him drop the cup and went down to see what was going on and he had died like she was there but yeah they really really loved each other even though apparently he might have cheated on her with jean tierney that's a rumor jeez but you know (laughs) what are you going to do? They were still together (laughs) for 26 years. There are two quotes that I like about it. One, Catherine Hepburn said, apparently, there's a quote she has or is attributed to her that says, um, never marry a man, just live close by which I like. I love that. Yeah. And then the second one was Spencer Tracy. He, they were like, well, why didn't you ever, you know, like what's, why don't you marry Catherine Hepburn? (laughs) And apparently he told Joan Fontaine, the actress, well, my wife and Catherine are both fine. Or my my wife and Kate, he called her, are both fine with the way things are. So why,
1: why Why change everything? Why
0: monkey with it? So yeah, that's, that's them. And it's weird because in her book, she's like, We think of her as being like this strong, independent woman, and she is. But the way she talks about him, she's just like, I would have done anything he said. I would have given anything to him. I don't even know if he really loved me, but I don't even care. I loved him so much. And you're like, oh, my God. Holy shit. Whoa. Um, So, yes, they like really loved each other. And you can like really see it in all of their movies. And that's why they're so fun to watch together. Okay, thanks for listening to that. I loved it. We can talk about Spencer Tracy a little bit, too. So Spencer Tracy's whole backstory is, um, like I said, he was known for his natural performing style and versatility. He was the first actor to win two consecutive Best Actor awards for Captains Courageous and Boys Town. He joined the Navy in World War I, but wow. never saw action because the war ended while he was still in naval school. Um mm-hmm but because he enlisted in the navy he got to go to college for a reduced price or for free i don't know the answer to that he went to college and (laughs) discovered that he loved acting in college so then he went to ada the american academy of dramatic art he did a lot of theater he eventually works on broadway doing good work on broadway gets him noticed by hollywood goes to hollywood he becomes a big actor you know uh he struggles with alcoholism throughout his life Mm. Uh, And Catherine Hepburn talks about it where like she she said he'd be fine for years and then he'd like fall into it again. Um, And he had a lot of guilt. His son that he had with uh, Louise, he had a son and a daughter. And the daughter and Catherine Hepburn are like friends or they were friends when she was alive. And it's really beautiful. And there's a picture of them together in her book and it's lovely. but uh his son was born deaf and he felt like because he was catholic he felt guilt about that like his son was born deaf because of his sins jeez that's a lot to carry around um (sighs) i also want to mention that he is originally from wisconsin and his character in this is from wisconsin and i think they did that on purpose
1: um
0: and he was very irish and he was friends with like all of the irish actors and they had like an irish boys night that they would do once a week or once a month catherine hepburn wrote about that too (laughs) Um, I found the quote, I can get a divorce whenever I want, but my wife and Kate like things as they are. Oh, so that's Spencer Tracy. And now we can get back to talking about this movie. Um, I do want to say not all of their pictures together were winners. Um, (laughs) the fact that I said, this is my favorite and you're like, this is not that great. That might be telling of their films together. Mm -hmm. So of the ones I read, I feel like they start off strong and they end off strong. And some of the ones in the middle can be largely ignored. Mm. Like Woman of the Year, this one, is pretty good. Keeper of the Flame I liked, but I don't think anyone else liked it. And I liked it when I was 14, so who knows if I liked it now or if I would <laughs> like it now. Adam's Rib, which we almost watched, can yes. be incredibly frustrating. Because the reason we almost watched it is because it has really good writers and Judy Holiday is in it, but I get so frustrated watching it because they bill it as the battle of the sexes, but it's like really toxic and doesn't make sense. Ooh. I think um, like I think it definitely favors men and kind of makes women feel not as smart. Uh-huh. Um, I don't like it. And then um, Pat and Mike is their sports one. They made a movie just to show off how good Katherine Hepburn was at sports. That's Amazing. the sole purpose of that film because um, she was apparently great at every sport she tried. She was like, oh. I'm a champion golfer. I can play tennis. I'm fabulous. And so they were like, let's make a movie. Let's do it. Well, of course. Um, so that's why you watch that movie to like watch her playing sports and she's like older when she makes it too. So she's like in her 50s and she's like, look at me go. I'll watch this. Um, and they make desk set, which is about a librarians and supercomputers, which we also almost watched. Oh, but it's a little cheesy. And then Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is a very special film. It's about racism so mm-hmm. it's, you know, Spencer Tracy and Katherine Hepburn are progressive liberal parents whose daughter, Mary Sidney Poitier, a black man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I we thought we were comfortable with people of color, but now we're not sure. But guess what? Everybody love does win the day and they are cool with it in the end. Okay, and so are ahead. his parents because his parents show up and they're not really cool with it either. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of things in that film don't hold up so much today. But I still think in general and in terms of performance. It's worth watching Mm -hmm, but it can be frustrating especially i imagine if you're a person of color watching it being like why do i have to get these white people's approval yes i can imagine that that would feel very frustrating but sydney poitier is also so handsome he's great that it's hard to not just be in love with him okay Mm -hmm. so something that i was really thinking about and noticing in this was there are all these examples of they try to show us what, like, the gender roles reversed are, Mm -hmm. I think. So they show, like, what would normally happen in this scene would be, like, a woman doing this and a man doing this. But here, it's a man doing that and a woman doing this. So, like, when they part at one point, like, he leaves his hat behind. And in the old days, it would have been, like, a woman might leave her purse behind an apartment to get someone to call them back or – Like she wants to have sex and he's like i gotta get out of this apartment like she's putting the moves on me i gotta get out of here before i make a mistake or like just she has her own office and she's very busy and has a male secretary and he has to wait in the office for her yeah um he's the one that's cooking eggs for breakfast and she's like make me and my secretary more eggs please yes She won't answer the phone. He has to get up and answer the phone. Like all of these things where it's normally the woman should be doing that. But here a woman is not doing those things. So what I was putting on this was like, I wonder if any men were watching this and putting themselves in Spencer Tracy's shoes and then going, is this how my wife feels? That was my secret hope that Mm -hmm. like maybe some straight white toxic male might watch this and be like. Oh, huh, maybe I'm not appreciating my wife because yes. when Katherine Hepburn is doing this, that's really rude. And I do that. Am I being rude? I doubt anyone did that, but that's what I was thinking.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that level of introspective thinking was happening. <laughs>
0: yeah, cuz I was like, "Oh, it's showing empathy for like women put in this position as like the caretaker." Yeah. I do like that he could make eggs. That was That really was sweet. really
1: funny when the, well, what's the secretary's name again? Gerald? Gerald. When he comes in and he's like, um, yeah, if you're making eggs, she wants them and I want them too. <laughs> nice.
0: They mentioned it really well in the one scene where he was like, I was in Chicago. I rushed home just so I could be with you. You were in Chicago and you didn't even think about me. You didn't even think mm-hmm. that, that I was there and didn't even think about seeing me. And he gave up steak for her. He gave up steak right? so he could come home and make an omelet.
1: And that one guy was like, listen, I have
0: a family Too, but like this is steak sex trumps stakes oh and i like the fact that like she's pretty open about like having sex before it seems like she's had sex before and he's like cool fine i just like want to marry you and i love that he's not threatened by her success that's not like a deterrent for him
1: i was honestly very shocked at how like kind of quote unquote feminist this movie was for the time yes because it was 1942 yeah and like You know, I know that definitely, like, if that falls in, like, World War II, like, that's definitely when women were kind of, like, going uh, into the job front and, like, were able to, like, contribute way more and everything like that. So I go, like, oh, it kind of makes sense. But, like, I was honestly very shocked. I was expecting to watch this movie and be like, oh, my God, this is what was considered progressive. Oh, my God, it's, like, horrible. And there are definitely moments of that. But for the most part, I'm, like... Wow, they're really leaning into this idea of her just like killing it and not really having like uh, a motherly or housewife bone in her body. Yes, and and also not making her revolting because of that. Yes, I and mean, being like, look how horrible she is, you know. It's like she's beautiful and like sexy and so smart and so successful and everyone loves her and she has friends all over the world and you're like wow i was amazed
0: she's really conscious of the world around her like it matters to her that her colleague gets out of that concentration camp and the importance of that and she like wants to do good in the world so it's like i don't know if you watch queer eye but there was that episode with the activist where she was like i just want to do work all the time because the work is so important and like we have to save the planet and but i don't have time to like take care of myself and rest and i feel like that was the underlying thing of this movie almost of like Catherine Hepburn dives so hard into her work as like a political liaison as like you know as a journalist as a diplomat because she wants to solve these problems and it's like she doesn't take time for herself to love and then she does get a little mean about it sometimes too like if yeah if someone said to me like ew what were you even gonna do anyway like I
1: Ooh, yeah. that was brutal. I literally wrote shots fired when
0: yes. that <laughs> So she's like, audience at home, she's like heading out to her big banquet in honor of her. And sp- she's going to leave the like six-year-old boy by himself. She's <laughs> like, he doesn't crazy. need a babysitter. It's oh fine. And Spencer Tracy's like, that's not OK. He totally needs a babysitter. I'm going to babysit him. And she's like, Ugh, what were you even going to do tonight anyway? Nothing. Like, you have no life, basically, is what she says to him. And he's like, ouch? Yeah,
1: um, yikes.
0: So yeah, that that would hurt. Uh, but yeah, I like that they lean really hard into that, but don't make it a bad thing. And that's not what upsets him. Like he likes that she's successful. He likes that she's the way she is. He just wishes she was like, what is the line? He's like, you, you give everything to everybody else. I just wish you give like 10% of your heart to me. Like just 10. Mm. I was like, oh, that's not even a lot to ask. Right. Just
1: 10%. sales tax sales tax in California.
0: That's all he's asking. I just want sales tax in California of your heart. Yeah. I liked that, but you're right. It is interesting seeing feminism in this film because like the seventies haven't happened yet. And this idea of like being a feminist and hating men hasn't been like combined yet. Right. So it's very interesting to one see a movie about feminists in the forties. And when she's speaking at that feminist convention and she says like, a woman's place is no longer just in the home. Like, we are out in the workforce. She's like, we've had the right to vote for 22 years. And I was like, oh my God, 22 years? What? And her aunt is like a feminist who helped get the vote. That was a great scene too. The scene with the aunt, when the aunt's getting married and she's like, I'm really happy that I'm finally going to be with the person that I love. Mm -hmm. And Catherine Hepburn's like, wait, are you saying all of those years, you know, being a feminist activist weren't worth it? Because she's saying to her like, I don't see you as a wife. I never saw you as a wife. And the one woman is kind of like, well, it's more complicated than that. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not just, I I like the idea that they unpack of like, what a wife's role is, where it's like, we have this idea of a wife is only in the forties. A wife should only be in the kitchen taking care of her family and the man, but it's, it's, it can be bigger than that. It's not just like, tess is extreme she's one way or the other and ellen's kind of saying to her no there's this thing in the middle (laughs) like i can love someone and be in love and guess what also be a feminist and be proud of my work she doesn't say that because it's the 40s but that's the gist.
1: how she says it in a way where she is like accomplishments don't mean as much unless you have someone to share it with and i was like that's such a better mindset to have rather than just like a woman just needs a man to survive. Like it, they really put a spin on it that made it more about like your experience too. Like I want my experience to be full and I therefore I want to share it with someone else.
0: Yes. And the dad mirrors that. So I like that she's also marrying an equal. Like the dad says things like that too. The dad's like, look, I've achieved a lot, but I felt very lonely Yes, and I would like a partner. And then the, she says that too. You know, they they have similar experiences and see each other's equals. And what I think is really cool is that they communicate their love for each other. They've secretly loved each other for years and they finally communicate their love for each other, like through a glance at Catherine Heppard's award ceremony. So what we see as viewers is Catherine Hepburn is like winning this award for woman of the year Spencer Tracy isn't there because he's you know taking the Greek child back to the orphanage (laughs) Um, but she's looking at the audience that's all clapping for her and you kind of see that she doesn't feel what she thought she would feel and then we as viewers they pan the camera over to her dad and the aunt and they look at each other and they realize in that moment that they're in love so it's like during Catherine Heppard's like accomplishment, like I am achieving this accomplishment that they have both already achieved. Like the dad has already achieved a lot of accomplishments. The aunt has already achieved a lot of accomplishments. And so like, she's in the middle of this achieving her first like cold accomplishment. And during that moment, they realize that they're in love and it's like no more cold accomplishments for us. Like from now on we love each other and we will be together. I thought that was kind of like a significant moment in a significant way of telling the audience that totally because you can see it is cold comfort that being said we'll get to this in the modern lens but i didn't love like the priest's little speech about like what a wife and a husband oh, should boy. be to each other didn't love that
1: he said let him be to her father and mother sister and brother i was like and then he didn't say that about the woman nope i was like holy shit i hated that so much he's like Uncle and cousin yeah. <laughs> and sometimes stepdaughter. Right. Like, You're like, the man will replace everyone in this woman's life. You're like, that is so
0: fucked up. And he's like, and your job, woman, is to inspire him. Yes. Oof. I wait, hated what that. I wrote down what they said. Hold on. Because I did not like that one bit. Let her experience with him all the experiences of life and sustain him. And I wrote, Oof. wait, he can't sustain her?
1: Oh my God. What? It's like he can be a father, mother, sister, brother, but he can't sustain his own damn self. Yeah. Insane.
0: Although that's kind of also what I liked about this too, in terms of like watching Katherine Hepburn, just like do things that we take for granted as modern viewers that in the past we would have been like, whoa, like her just like lighting her own cigarette and not think, thinking twice about it when he lights, he lights one for her and she doesn't even see it. Cause it's not a big deal to her. She lights her own cigarettes all the damn time. I did not even notice that. It was just things like that that I was like, yes. You don't, like, you don't need him. You can choose him. Right. I also love how romantic he is in this. You know, like, I love how sweet he is. He's very sweet. Ugh. Oh, it's just like, yeah. you're just so charmed by him. And he's so genuine. It's really, he's not trying to control her
1: or mm-hmm. change her.
0: He's just trying to get a little of her time and love. Yeah.
1: 100.
0: Also, I want to mention um, that this script, it was thought up by this guy named Garson Kanan, who ends up having a great uh, working relationship. I can't remember if they're married or not, but with this woman, Ruth Gordon, who plays Maud in Harold and Maud*. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, so he works really well with women, and he's a really good friend of Catherine Hepburn. And so he came up with this story And um, gave it to Katherine Hepburn. And she signed... uh, There are so many talented people involved in this film. And I think you can kind of tell. Uh, Joseph Almankowicz was the producer. And he goes on to direct, like, All About Eve. And Letter to Three Mm -hmm. Wives. So he's, like, prolific. And he works with Katherine Hepburn. Like, she... (laughs) I think she sells this to him for Uh $250,000. And she gets to pick her star. And she gets to pick the director. But, yeah. So Garson Kanin pitches the idea to her. He's... In the war, so he can't write it. So his brother, Michael Kanan, writes it. Ring Lardner Jr. is the other co writer, but Katherine Hepburn, like, changes a lot too. So she has a lot of influence in this piece as well. I feel like it's, you can feel respect for women in it, and you can feel like women being present in the writing in it. I love that. Oh, I wrote, um, cool to see old baseball and the football yes. too, like when you see things from the past you're like, oh my God, is that what it was like? Is that what it looked like? Like when they're playing football and they're just like covered in mud and you can't tell them apart and they're just jumping on each other. And you're like, gosh, you think about sports now, like football games,
1: are so flashy. There's such a thing. And you go, that was just like one camera just kind of
0: following the dudes at all from, from above. Yeah. And like the old baseball and yeah. seeing the stadium and when she watched in and she's like are all these people unemployed and he's like no they're here to see a game (laughs) oh that was great oh i did also think about the interesting part of like he includes her uh so it's like when they go to the baseball game and she knows nothing about baseball she does want to be included you know she works at it she At the beginning of the game, everyone hates her because she's wearing her big hat and blocking the players and she's ignorant and doesn't know anything about the sport. By the end, she isn't wearing her hat anymore. She's made friends with everyone around her. She gets the game. She's cheering people on. She's a part of it. But then when she invites Spencer Tracy to her house and she's throwing a party where it's like all of these people that are diplomats from all these different places and no one speaks the same language and she she's not with him so he's there to guide her when she doesn't know the way and she doesn't do the same thing for him
1: right Um, and
0: that's kind of like the first red flag of like you guys are right for each other but she's not as considerate of you as you are of her um she just kind of like leaves him alone and even says at one point she's like oh that person over there doesn't know anyone i have to make sure he feels okay bye yeah and you're like spencer tracy doesn't know anybody yes he brings her flowers it's very sweet uh oh and the flowers were great too because that was how they showed their love for each other so the next day in the office people at home he goes into her office he feels like he's kind of failed the night before and that maybe she's not interested in him and then he sees the flowers he sent in a bowl in her office and he's like how did those get here and she's like how do you think baby and that's when he knows they're in love and he suggests they go to new jersey to get a quickie wedding
1: yeah it all happened so fast very fast also like when they were at the baseball game and how you were saying she starts off kind of a fish out of water and then by the end she's kind of made friends that happens in two seconds that happens just so like you know because there's no montage or anything it's just like quick cut next scene she's everything's great
0: because yeah she's very smart and she picks it all up i love how smart she is yeah incredible it is kind of like we would never be that smart like real people aren't that's smart because i was thinking about all the languages she spoke in this i should have counted but there were like it six or wild. seven yeah yeah and she's really speaking the language right like i don't know how accurate it is but she's saying the words is Catherine
1: hepburn was she fluent in a bunch of different languages or no
0: that's a good question i don't know the answer if i finish mm. her book and she tells me i'll let you know please um but she pulls it off i think oh yeah speaking all the different languages But yeah, she she plays someone that's so smart that you're like, ooh, I'll never be that smart.
1: Yeah, there's probably like 10 people in the world that are like that smart.
0: I was thinking of the Obamas. I was like, oh, you know, like how Michelle Obama, and Barack Obama are just like good at all the things and are really smart. Oh, that's what I I liked about the original ending that would have been is it was another example of each of them going like fish-out-of-water style for the other person. Yes. Instead of just one or the other.
1: Yeah, I agree. They should have gone with that. The audiences were stupid. No offense to them.
0: Yeah, audiences. No
1: offense to them, those audience members. Going back to um, the stuff about the gender roles flipping and stuff like that, like when when they're at Ellen and her dad's wedding, or when she's there at their wedding, and Ellen's like, where's Sam? And, and she's like, well, he had to work. And, and her Aunt Ellen is like, well, he was supposed to be my bridesmaid. I was his best man. And she just says it like, it's so common. Yeah. I was like, God, that's so interesting and cool that like, it was just kind of, not even a question that she served as his best man at his wedding yeah, and he would serve as her bridesmaid. And it wasn't even a thing. It was just like, Oh, he, I wanted him to be here for that.
0: Absolutely. And you know, he would have done it. Right. He's so secure in himself. He doesn't have like this bullshit male ego about it. Like he understands it would have been in fun. And you bring up something really interesting too, that I, I really wanted to talk about, which is like the juxtaposition of the two weddings. And I actually think it's really interesting because what I was thinking at their wedding at Ellen and, um, and the dad what's his name mr harding whatever his first name is we forget it at his wedding it's funny because you we see them change because at her wedding they didn't even have the time for her like Mm -hmm. they were out of her wedding real fast they weren't being super considerate either so we kind of see them change because by the end they expected them to be there for the whole ceremony but we Mm -hmm. also see the differences in the ceremonies And one is like small and thoughtful and based on love. And the other one is kind of like rushed and not really like she didn't take into account what Spencer Tracy wanted. She did what she wanted because he had ideas that were very sweet about it. He's like, look, I want to do this right. We're only going to get married once. Like, I want to make sure it's special. And she's like, well, let's go to South Carolina to this random person's house that we don't know and have them marry us really fast. And everybody rushes out at the end. How does that sound? Right. You can wear your striped pants That's all he got. They really showed a juxtaposition between the two weddings. But I did want to call out the, um, I guess, double standard that the parents had for one wedding versus the other. But I guess they changed by the end.
1: Yeah, that was
0: their arc. But I'm really glad you brought up that quote about the best man, because I think the Aunt Ellen was a really cool character. Yes, she was. And you got the feeling, I think Katherine Hepburn said about her, like, you're my woman of the century. Like, you're who I look up to. Uh
1: That was so special.
0: I really liked just a lot of what she had to say and a lot of the ideas she had. Um, Yeah. Oh, and how they made Katherine Hepburn play the organ. And I was like, of course, Tess can also play the organ. We went in 20 languages, can play the organ on demand. Of course. And we get a great Catherine Hepburn crying shot in the back of the the room. And their house, can we for one second just architecture chat? Because every mid-century modern house that they went into, I was like, oh, I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. All of those beams, the way it all looked, the fireplaces. I just, it's so pretty.
1: Like, I loved her apartment. It was amazing. Her
0: apartment was gorgeous. I love a 40s city skyline. Oh, yeah. (sighs) I loved all of it. In fact, the lamest apartment was his at the end. Yes, agreed. I did think it was funny when the landlord just let her in. Yeah, he was like, all right, he has a wife? Cool. I'll take a chance on you. And I was like, yeah. oh, God, she could be a serial killer. You don't know. <laughs> Unlikely, but still. It's funny that I said serial killer there because my note about Chris, the um, young Greek boy that they adopt, is that when he comes in, he has child serial killer face. Yes. I don't know what direction they gave him. He was a creepy
1: child. We're sorry, was Chris. A weird... I feel like that kind of was where it lost me a little bit was when the kid, when she's like, I, I did not see it coming when they were talking about having children. I thought she was going to be like, I'm pregnant. Yeah. But then she went off camera and comes back with this fully grown boy and you're like, Oh,
0: okay. That really threw me for a loop. And he's super in tune with the boy too. He's like, this kid reads energy really well. And I don't want him to think I'm upset at him or about him i want to talk to you i really liked his explanation of the feelings and that sensitive and side note they share a bed and there were a lot of scenes in the bedroom and i was like yes right scandalous for the 40s
1: do you know how this was received at the time were people scandalized by any of this i know that it was
0: a hit I think that things got crazy purified in the 50s. So I think in the 40s, things were starting to like open up, be more progressive. And then the 50s happened and they were like, no, we're scared. Everybody back to your gender roles. We're going to get really <laughs> conservative. <sighs> Sleep in different beds. That makes so much sense. Yeah. I think that maybe people didn't even think about it. I I only thought about it because I was like, oh, it's the past. And they're showing us a bed on screen and they're sharing it. Whoa. Right. Although they were never asleep at the same time. One was always out of bed while the other was in bed they were never in bed at the same time oh my gosh i didn't even notice i only did because i was thinking about it so i was like i wonder if they'll be in bed together ever wow that's a great detail they made out on top of the bed that was hot they did that it was hot there is a scene on their wedding night i get confused sometimes in the storytelling with like catherine Hepburn is so strong but she seems to not be able to speak up when she doesn't want to do something which is an interesting dichotomy because we see it at the end when she doesn't want to tell Gerald no to the 8.30 a.m.
1: <laughs> right. boat
0: thing. And she also doesn't want to say no to the um, the Holocaust survivor who escaped the concentration camp that shows up at her house. So in the middle of the film, like right after they get married, it's their wedding night. They're about to have sex for the first time. It's implied. They don't say it, but it's implied. <laughs> she like gets all gorgeous and hears a knock on her bedroom door and like grabs a book and lays on the bed and is like hello i'm ready with my book <laughs> like oh that was so funny but what ends up happening is it's not spencer tracy it's this uh, it's, who is it professor somebody L- i don't remember his name. or something It's it started with L- lubeck. yeah lubbeck or lubeck he he had gone missing he had escaped a concentration camp he ends up at her house and he brings like a whole party of people with him. And instead of being like, hey, I just got married. I really need you to leave. She she doesn't do that. And she's like, tell me everything. I need to know. Yeah. And so when Spencer Tracy comes in, he's like, What is going on? This is my wedding night. We're supposed to be having sex right now. Um, so he calls his boxer friend Pinky who I need to mention is played by William Bendix, who is like a character actor, but who's also on a radio show called The Life of Riley, which makes me happy. They kind of like, oh no, it's two different kinds of people. There's her like worldly high class people and his like, you know, low class, but fun people. But the low class people get the high class people out of there and everyone's super sweet about it. And they finally get to have sex. And we're very happy for them at the end of that. Yes. Okay. So I'm really glad we got to this point because the tone of this is also something unique that I feel like you don't see in movies a lot today, but was pretty common back in the day. So the tone of this film, it starts off as a comedy and it feels like a romance and then it gets kind of melodramatic. Like the tone really shifts. In the end, the reason we have that long, like, Catherine Hepburn kitchen scene is because they need to remind us, like, remember, this is a comedy. Yes, right. This is funny, remember? So we end on a high note. But yeah, there's, like, kind of a lot of melodrama in the middle. And that's a way of, like, filmmaking that used to be kind of normal that's totally gone now. Mm. So it's really interesting to watch movies like this and be like, this was a totally normal thing back in the day. Yeah. The way that this movie is structured, the tone of this we wouldn't have batted an eyelash, but today you're like, oh, it's kind of unusual. Yeah. Maybe even a little awkward at times. I don't know. Totally. I definitely had that feeling
1: of like, wait a minute, how am I supposed to be watching this? Like, what am I supposed to be feeling here when the tone kind of shifts? I definitely felt that.
0: Because it goes from comedic to serious pretty quickly. Yeah, especially because he's Spencer Tracy's character does get so upset and re, you know does leave her. It turns very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something so important that I can't believe I skipped over. I totally forgot to mention that this is a George Stevens picture. That's pretty important. Mm. I can't believe I forgot to mention that. On our show, we have not mentioned George Stevens yet, which I'm shocked by because he's so important in this era and has made so many excellent films. I think we're going to do a George Stevens film next, in our next, like, cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, But George Stevens, let me tell you about him. So he directed this. He worked with Katherine Hepburn. His big break in directing was uh, one of her earlier films called Alice Adams, and then they would work together. They worked together several times. So some films he's famous for directing are Swing Time, the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers film, The More, The Merrier, which is, I love that film. I mentioned Alice Adams. He directed Gunga Din. Um, He directed a movie called Penny Serenade, which it feels a lot like this film, but it's with Cary Grant. Um, Mm. He directed uh, Talk of the Town, I Remember Mama, and then we get to the big ones. He directed A Place in the Sun, Giant, Shane, and then The Diary of Anne Frank. But I think like the top three are A Place in the Sun, Giant, and Shane. Those are like his three huge films. And those happen... After the war, so like his whole story is that he was born in Oakland, California, got his big break on as a director on Alice Adams. Um, in World War II, he joined the Army Signal Corps um, along with there were five prolific directors of the day that joined the Army Signal Corps, went overseas, and made really important films about what was going on over there. So like oh. George Stevens shot footage of D-Day, like documentary footage, and he shot the concentration camps. Like he filmed Whoa. what was going on at Doc out. Yeah. Um, So he like has horrific footage of this. The biggest directors of the day went overseas, made this footage and it altered all of them as people and it altered all of their work forever after. And they all came back and made these like masterpieces after they saw what they saw. So like George Stevens was mainly a comedy director. And then he, you know, sees these horrible things in the war and comes back and makes these like dramatic masterpieces. Wow. Um, It's funny because Catherine Hepburn talked about that in her book too, where she was like, George Stevens is an incredible director, but I, I wish he had ended up making more comedy because he he came back and he like lost that part of him because it was also serious and he wanted to make these serious films. And she was like, I'm glad we have them. But I wish he had done like one more, one more Mm. comedy Mm -hmm. because he does it so well, you know? Oh, and one more cool thing is the footage that he shot, the documentary footage, he helped uh, put material together for the Nuremberg trials to like prosecute the Nazis. So that's pretty cool. Holy shit. Yes. So George Stevens, very cool.
1: Yes. And then his
0: son is George Stevens Jr., who is the founder of the American Film Institute. So oh, like, my God, really? Yes, didn't yes. did know that. Yes. So, like, very cool family. Wow. We love all of that. I mean, we talked about the Tess Harding-Craig thing. I kind of wish he had been like, and I will be Sam Harding-Craig, but he didn't say that. Yeah, we, we can't push it, you know. We're going to cut to the modern lens. From our modern day perspective, what doesn't totally hold up? Let's hit it. I started with the press box. Oh my god, Uh, yeah. I said women aren't allowed in the press box. That's messed up. Yes. Um, So even though she's a reporter and is of higher standing on their newspaper than anyone else, right? she's not allowed in the press box.
1: And it's just like, what could happen from a woman being there? Like, what in their minds would happen? It's like, she gets her period everywhere. Like, what do you think is going to happen if a woman's in there? We all fall in love
0: with her and become mad with desire. We can't control ourselves. Like, oh my god. That's what it is. It's insane. Um, so there's that. I wrote, only vote for 22 years. Like, women have only had the vote for 22 years when this film came out. That's bananas. I didn't love when Spencer Tracy mocked the non-English speaker. Oh my god, that was hard. He, like, says something about his turban, and you're like, yes. ooh, not okay, please don't do that. That was really rough. I wrote that down as well. And then he, like, pretends to speak Chinese at one point, and you're like, please stop. Please don't do that. Yes, yes. Please stop. I wrote, yes, gay male assistant, because... <laughs> <laughs> I don't outright say he's gay, but I feel like he is gay representation and he is great at his job and I liked Gerald. Great. Um, I wrote down like the cooking stuff from his mom. Oh like, my God. Like the pressure from his mom to make Tess be like a cook. Yes. And I couldn't tell at the beginning if she was trying to find out Tess's age or if she was a good cook. Either way, I'm like, ooh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about this. Then later when she's looking at the cookbook
1: and it's like, I've marked some of Sam's favorites, dear. It's like, Ew.
0: York. I was imagining him making them himself, though. In my own yeah. little world, Sam opens that cookbook himself and is like, "Yeah, my mom gave this to me, and I'm gonna make my own food." Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, it was gross. Oh god. Plus, I don't think it's that far off putting yeast in a waffle. It's bready. I don't think she's a total idiot for putting that in there. She did put a
1: whole cube of yeast. That was a lot of yeast.
0: But I like understood the mistake. It's not like she put meat in the waffle. It's
1: like she's still an intelligent person. She just doesn't know how to cook.
0: Yeah. Oh, there aren't really any people of color in this film. Oh, no. There's two people of color that don't have any lines, but they are also not stereotyped, at least. There's like a little girl staring at them when they're getting married. Oh, right. And she's black. And then her mom's like, let's leave them alone. So it's like normal, a normal interaction. And I'm glad that they included like the presence of black people at some point in this film where they weren't in a serving position, but also there were no really like black people in this film. Yeah. I will say that George Stevens later, like in Giant, part of the plot of that film, George Stevens clearly has a progressive viewpoint of it where it's like, yes, racism sucks, doesn't it? And you're like, Mm -hmm. yes, correct. This is correct. Yes. (laughs) You're right. I wrote Orphanage Chris? I don't know. What do you think about Chris on the orphanage? The storyline? Just or... the whole storyline. Like, them taking in a Greek refugee who doesn't speak English, him preferring the orphanage. I don't know.
1: It was weird, and it was just off-putting all around for me.
0: Like, I like the justification of, like, them letting the audience at home feel okay about it, of like, uh-huh. look, he's happy with his friends that also speak Greek, and right. the people want to adopt him, so it's going to be okay. But without those things, it would have been... Like extra not okay.
1: Yeah, and how she's like, I I didn't mean to take him home. It's like, someone just volunteered me to take this kid home, and now he's here. And I was like, there were no other steps in that process where you could have been like, wait a minute. Right? This isn't right.
0: Well, and also just like, there's the conundrum of like, she's rich. So like, Sure, yes. He would have been taken care of in some ways. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. it is better that he was happy at the orphanage, but
1: I think as long as he's happy, you know, yes. that's great.
0: And he will be taken care of. Yes. And that Spencer Tracy wasn't mean about it that we it was important that we see that too about he was like this is what's best for this kid. Um so there was all that. Um I like that this movie addressed the fact that you can be a feminist and still have a partner that it's not like one is exclusive to the other. Absolutely. Uh oh, I did want to say though, even though we said that about feminism, I did also want to point out, in general, that feminists at this time, a lot of them were racist as well. Oh, one hundred percent. We're like glorifying this like white female feminist thing, but you will notice on that stage there were no black women, mm-hmm. no speakers that were black. Yeah. Um, and I know that a lot of people like Susan B. Anthony were racist. So I just yes. want to name that.
1: That was totally in the back of my mind, too, where it's just like, I mean, feminism in general has a very racist history. And like, yes, know, it absolutely was the case in the
0: 40s, for sure. Um, I wrote wedding, some yikes stuff, which we addressed the mother, father, you'll be her mother, <laughs> father, sister, brother. <laughs> yes. um, and then the cookbook from his mom. We we named all of the things that I had noted. We We crushed it. We talked about this before. It's so interesting that you can make like a feminist film in the 40s, but then watch it all these years later and you're like, ooh, there there are so many things that I see how this was good, you know, for women and for feminism, but also, ooh, it's painful sometimes. It's like this Mm -hmm. mix of, I don't know, looking at feminism through the past.
1: Yeah. It is good though, because you go, well, at least we know we've made progress. Yes. Because we can look at stuff from the 40s and be like, ooh, no thank you. And I go, that's good. We shouldn't be like, this is
0: exactly right. <laughs> I found the quote she says to Sam that's pretty mean. She says, who would believe that you would have anything important to do? <gasps> oh, my Ooh, that's God. a burn.
1: A really big burn.
0: And one of the quotes I did write down, too, was um, after he has left her. So they were going to like have sex before they were married and he leaves. And then she says this line to him. Did anyone ever tell you your manners leave much to be desired? And you're like, oh, oh. you desire him. And you just said that. Like, that's a double entendre uh-huh. about his manners and about desire. Yes, script writing. Yes.
1: There was a moment. I Now I can't remember at what point in the story it was. But there was a moment, a really weird moment, where he comes into a room where she's sitting, I think, with Gerald. Mm-hmm. And she goes hello daddy it like baby talk and calls him da- and it was it's like so out of character and i was like we never acknowledge it and i was like okay
0: it was so weird it's because she's also like talking business at that point i believe yes. she's like and then the shipping and the blah 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 hello daddy <laughs> like what Ew. yes correct correct <laughs> do you think i wonder in real life if she ever did that with spencer tracy in real life probably Maybe that's why it made the film. Yeah. Because she had said it to him the day before alone. Probably. Oof. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out as well. Yes, what yeah, a rough moment. One of my other favorites. Well, I loved when the boss came in. So Spencer Tracy's proposing to her and he's like, I want to marry you. And the boss comes in and he's like, Anything happening? And Captain Pepper yeah. goes, Plenty. And then he leaves.
1: Um
0: yes. but one of my one of my favorite to I, I have a lot of favorites, I guess. So another quote. Another quote Please. is um He says to her, I love you. And she goes, even when I'm sober. And he goes, even when you're brilliant. And then he also, I love it when he's like interviewing her. You can see like what a good reporter he is. He mentions Mm -hmm. at one point, oh, and they never I feel like they don't really tie this back in. So I'm glad we're talking about this now. Early on, he's like, Tess, don't you get sick of telling people what to do? Don't you like want to talk to them? Cause her whole like newspaper pitch is like, Tess tells you what to do. Like that's her whole shtick. Right. And so he's like, Don't you, don't you ever want to like talk with people and like listen (laughs) and so he when they're first like talking to each other she's not asking anything about him and we don't really learn anything about him Mm -hmm. he's so interested in finding out about her and one of his questions to her is did you live happily ever before because she was talking about wanting to live happily ever after and he's like well did you live happily ever before like tell me your life great line i was like yes spencer tracy i just love him in that scene i love his his like curiosity in that Mm -hmm. scene you can see what a good reporter he is in that in that moment yeah. and the fact when he's talking about like I love talking to people like your everyday person that might not seem important everybody has a story to tell and I love finding that out I don't know right they paint him really well in this oh yeah so we are heading into the double feature portion of this program yes. if you liked this movie some other films to probably check out or like the Spencer Tracy Catherine Hepburn collection I would say I remember liking Keeper of the Flame but it's a drama but I remember liking it. I know that it does not have good reviews, so it might be bad. So, you know, grain of salt on that one. Desk set, pad and Mike, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner would all probably pair okay with this. Beware on Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. You know, it might be triggering. Mm-hmm. I would say Penny Serenade would be a good fit with this. That's another George Stevens movie that's a mix of like comedy and drama. It's got a similar tone. Ooh. And it's about a couple who are trying to decide if they want to stay married or not.
1: Oh, wow. Um, OK. Yeah. So
0: they're like looking at the good times, looking at the bad times. Sometimes it's a little melodramatic, but it's Cary Grant and it's Irene Dunn. So wow. you're going to like it. Um. And then same with The Awful Truth. The Awful Truth is a divorce story of like, should these people get divorced? But it's a comedy. OK. <laughs> um. So those two. And then I would say, oh, I forgot Adam's rib is on here, too. Of course. That's another, oh, yes. you know, Tracy and Hepburn classic. Judy Holiday's in it. She's great. But you're going to get frustrated, especially if you're a woman. I'm just going to let you know. (laughs) And then I think if you want to watch more like uh, Catherine Hepburn, similar vibes, maybe I would say Philadelphia Story would be a great pair. Mm. Um, Bringing a Baby would be fun. Oh, and Holiday too. And then on the Spencer Tracy end of things, I would say Libeled Lady. It's around this time and it's a comedy and it's, you know, confused relationships. Mm. Um, So those would be my double features. Did you? It's okay if you don't. But did you have any that you would want to add or anything that this reminds you of or
1: No, I'm I don't know any old movies. This is why you I come on here like a newborn babe and you give me all this information cuz I'm like so ignorant about this. I don't I haven't watched a lot of
0: old movies. This is all I ever want to watch. The old
1: movies like that I watched all the time growing up were The Bad Seed and and like White Christmas.
0: Movies like that. I still haven't seen The Bad Seed, so we'll get oh. to we'll get to that. Can I be the guest? Yes, we'll do. I'll tell you what, we'll do it for Halloween next year. Okay, great. Because I still haven't seen it, and I should. Oh, you gotta, Lauren. Thank you so much. Do you have anything else you want to add before we head
1: out? No, thank you so much. And honestly, after talking to you, I have decided I do like this movie. Yeah. I'm sorry I was kind of like blasé about it before, but the more I talk about it, the more yeah. I'm like. You know what i'm i'm being too harsh on this movie like it had some really great elements
0: thank you so much for being on the show uh we will see you everybody next time that was diane that was diane she's (laughs) pissed we'll see you next time on talk classic to me you have been listening to talk classic to me with sarah greenfield that's me my guest this week was lauren lopez they will be featured on our instagram page If you enjoyed our show, please introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe, and maybe even find us on Anchor.fm to become a contributing member. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at TalkClassicToMe for some awesome content and to find out what's coming up next. Thanks for listening.